0: hello and welcome back to the wax and gold podcast wax and gold
1: welcome
0: i'm archie and i am burko shemitz and we are brought to you by Rolled Gold Pretzels, Rolled gold. gold. It's good for the soul. Oh shit, I just I actually
1: yeah. just spilled, ro- Rolled Gold Pretzels. You got a whole on bag of Rolled Gold Pretzels and you spilled bed. on my bed. That's okay. Cuz I got
0: it from the Amtrak train. That's all right. Well, uh they really should be providing us with free bags at at, at this rate. <laughs> yes. um, well, but uh this is episode 2. So we're back and Today, I'm going to be talking about Lou Borges's 1979 album, Avia Lactia, Brazilian singer-songwriter. And Berko is going to be continuing his uh, sort of elaborating on his cold chain theory of COVID-19 transmission and a whole lot of other stuff. Well, uh, actually, yeah, I think I'll I'll I went over, take a over a lot of
1: cold chain last week. Yeah. But this week, I mean, like, in the last two weeks, I mean, it's incredible timing. The day that we recorded the first episode was the day that the, the, the intelligence, you know, about the six the six scientists from Wuhan leaked. Mm-hmm. It was May 26th. Okay. And I kind of, we, we talked about so many things last time, I kind of, uh, I feel remiss. Is that the right way to say that? I feel remiss. Yeah, I think that's right. I sort of, like, said it as an aside that the writer of the article was Michael Gordon, who is... The bass player of Fish. Um, also, th- <laughs> the reporter, Michael Gordon, was one half of the reporting team, Judith Miller and Michael Gordon, okay. who brought you the WMD story
0: Weapons of Mass Destruction.
1: That's right, which was the, the reason we went to Iraq and then it wasn't there. Right. So, right. the author of the article about the, the lab scientist being sick that came out two weeks ago. Mm hmm. On the day of our
0: first episode, I think it was May twenty third. Oh right, was it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Because it was two days after my, after uh, right. an so important day.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So that right. So that news broke on May twenty third. The news was written by Michael Gordon and a few other guys. Michael Gordon is one of our old friends mm. from the WMD story, and that's why I think I I would like to title this episode. Friends the, Friend. re, the reunion. Friends reunion episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Twin Peaks. The so return. I just really want to emphasize that. Michael Gordon is the guy who brought you sold you WMDs through the news, through the Wall Street Journal. He didn't get the same uh, stigmatization as Judith Miller, although mm-hmm. they both deserve it. And we're gonna talk more about Judith Miller later. Yeah. But he's the guy who wrote that article. I really want to emphasize that. Then I think three days later, on May twenty sixth, Biden came out and announced I think he gave a, a press conference about this intelligence and he said that there's like two opinions about it Mm -hmm. and like two agencies think that it was that uh they think it's natural and they don't really put much stock in this intelligence Mm -hmm. you know this 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 piece of intelligence about the six scientists and that one agency did and then like a few days ago I think two days ago Uh, you're talking
0: about this you know, like people can can listen to the first episode, but you're talking about the scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, right? Who got right. sick with COVID in late like fall 2019, right? Well, like you know, this is
1: what that story said, mm-hmm. and the story said that there's a piece of intelligence that says these scientists were sick mm-hmm. with symptoms that resemble COVID, and that yeah. they were sick. In November 2019, and they were researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Ooh. That news broke um, on May 23rd, the day we recorded our first podcast. Mm-hmm. Then Biden came out and gave a press conference about it saying two agencies uh, didn't really think this was believable, and they thought lab leak is not the, uh, the origin, mm-hmm. and that one agency's one agency uh, really thinks it's the lab origin. Yeah. And they do believe this piece of intelligence about the sick scientists. hmm Okay. So then, so May 23rd, the story comes out. May 26th, Biden gives a speech saying there's a division, you know, difference of opinion between these agencies and that, right? Now, there's yeah. evidence of A versus B. One agency says yes. Two agencies said no. hmm Then on June 3rd, this incredibly extensive article in Vanity Fair comes out called The Lab Leak Theory. Inside the fight to uncover COVID-19's origins. And at the top it says viral inflection. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little graphic. You can see it here. It's like a it's like a MC Escher. It's like a yeah. gu- a gyre that sucks in all the That's very psychedelic. Michael multi- multicolored viruses. Okay. So Uh, this article, um, and they, by the way, they do, she does balance it somewhat because, um, really, really at the end is one of the best parts for the thinking people. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the end, she goes into that piece of intelligence and how it was looked at when it first came out, because apparently it was, uh... That piece of intelligence was logged into the system at this, like, nuclear lab in California called the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. They are the ones who found this piece of intelligence. Mm -hmm. I'm making quote marks for a piece of intelligence, which I think is fair, by the way, because so many of these people are WMD pushers. Do you remember that piece of intelligence?
0: Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I was like in high school back then, but right. I do remember. And that inte- piece of intelligence was a fucking lie. So yes.
1: this piece of intelligence, and by the way, it might be true. It might be true. But this piece of intelligence, which is, which is now the source of disagreement within the government, mm-hmm. and that's what Biden was saying. Two agencies says they're, into, they're looking into it. One agency says, sorry, two agencies don't think it's worth looking into. Mm-hmm. One agency says it's definitely look worth looking into.
0: I mean, it seems to me it's objectively worth looking into. Oh, sure.
1: Look into it. Look into it. Yeah. So anyway, the piece of intelligence, the, the Vanity Fair article has so much stuff that we're going to get into. Yeah. But at the very end, it's almost like bearing the lead. It talks about this piece of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it says it comes from this Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, which is, uh, what is performs that? national security research for the Department of Energy and they wrote it in May 2020. Hmm. And it was kind of like this buried piece of intelligence. And then it like comes out of the woodwork back in January right around the time of um like early January, like right around the time of the January 6th thing. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> we we got to watch that live here, remember? Yes, I do. Right. So it gets kind Was of re re um you know it reemerges yes th- this piece of intelligence from this lab. so this report energy
0: this depart so basically they like issued a report and then they don't they don't publish it or no one saw fit at the time to publicize this very uh alarming information.
1: I don't know well well okay. I I don't know why it got hidden. And the article kind of presents a sort of both sides story of um, was it either suppressed because Mm -hmm. it's it's so like, is it gold? Mm -hmm. Is it gold that was suppressed by, you know, nefarious forces or the the gain of function bureaucracy in the government? Was it suppressed or Mm -hmm. is it in fact just fucking bullshit that was never picked up because it looks like bullshit? And what the um, the acting undersecretary in the State Department uh, says is he thought it was, like, stupid. He thought it was bonkers because mm-hmm. – I'm going to give you a quote here. Um, one senior government official with knowledge of the State Department's investigation of the this piece of intelligence mm-hmm. said, quote, they were writing this for certain customers in the Trump administration – We asked for the reporting behind the statements that were made. It took forever. Then you'd read the report. It would have this reference to a tweet and a date. It was not something you could go back and find. Mm. After listening to the investigator's findings, a technical expert in one of the State Department's bioweapons offices, quote, thought they were bonkers, quote, Mm. Ford recalled. And Ford is a Trump appointee who is anti-china he's a china hawk Mm -hmm. but he like thought this was bullshit he he has another quote in here he i'll read it right now there was another reason for his hostility he'd already heard about the investigation from interagency colleagues rather than from the team itself and the secrecy left him with a quote spidey sense that the process was a form of quote creepy freelancing he wondered had someone launched an unaccountable investigation with the goal of achieving a desired result, and then mm. Ford, who's in the States Department, he's like, he's anti-China, like he's not pro-China. He he doesn't believe this shit, but all of these like underlings who are kind of pro-Lab Leak theory, and they're quoted extensively in the article, and they have a lot of shady um, connections. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically push for a meeting about this over Zoom. They have the Zoom uh, one day after January 6th, on January 7th, and, you know, they all talk about this intelligence, and they all talk about Wuhan, they all talk about lab leak, mm-hmm. and then he writes this, and I think he quits, by the way, he yeah. quits like...
0: Uh, he writes that memo where he's basically like, this is, uh, uh, you know, we had a good discussion, but this there's, there's nothing uh, to support this lab leak hypothesis right he kind just of yeah he's
1: i would say he's leaning more against i mean what he's saying is like look uh you know um we should press china because they are not being as forthcoming as they should be however they have not violated any biological weapons um treaties there's um there is no what he's saying is there is no evidence yeah but that we could ask for more stuff but as of what we know now and like it goes you can read it on the vanity on the uh, to vanity fair's credit they they have these documents yeah and you can read his memo which is like um we should press china for more information but they have not violated any agreements they there's no evidence they had live viruses at the lab that really stands out to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's saying that maybe they do, maybe they do and they're hiding them, but there is no evidence they have live viruses. Most of the times they work on genetic material mm-hmm. because it's safer. And that we talked to all these experts during the meeting and people like like really the only thing that this theory has going for it is that the market is in Wuhan and the lab is in Wuhan. And that's Kind of the argument, yeah. Um, and then he quits, <laughs> and I. Pr- it, it's kind of implied in the article that he quit because of,
0: of January sixth. You know, right. So, okay. So basically, what you were telling me before we started recording is that you have your own theory of why the the virus was released into the world or, or rather like how it was roughly how it was released. Maybe not like you don't know the how, but you, you, you have a theory. Okay. And well, yeah, and but, I th-
1: but my theory does combine. I, I, I don't think that lab, I think that the gold to, to use wax, I think there is gold in both cold chain theory and lab leak theory, right? That The gold in the lab leak theory is they They were working on this virus at that mm-hmm. lab. And they are trying to hide it. But I also think there's gold in the cold chain theory because it does keep showing up on cold chain products. And I really want to stress this on this episode. Is all the people who are pushing lab leak theory from above. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, look, like a lot of independent researchers, myself included, were like, yo, (laughs) there's a biosafety lab in the same city. Like, what's going on here? Right. But. Right now, like in the day, like in the last two weeks, especially, the people who are pushing the lab leak theory are the same, literally the same people who pushed WMDs in Iraq, including the the same journalist Michael Gordon Mm -hmm.
0: and all the people quoted in this article. Right, that's like you were gonna, you said you were gonna go, basically go through the Vanity Fair article and say, and and say, point out what where all of these people like who they're affiliated with, right? what their connections are, and therefore I, what their motivations might be for, for can, doing what they're doing.
1: I, I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. Remember Douglas Faith? Douglas Faith was the guy no. who pushed WMDs from the government. Okay. His son is quoted in this article, David Faith. Okay. What, then
0: is he, what does David Faith do?
1: He's the uh, East Asia...
0: East Asia... I'll tell you right now. So there's nepotism making the the world go round.
1: Douglas Faith's second son, David Faith, graduated from Columbia University and worked as an editorial writer for the Wall Street Journal, like Matthew Pottinger and Michael Gordon and Mm -hmm. Judith Miller, and an assistant editor at Foreign Affairs, before serving as Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs in the United States Department of State. David Faith, the son of... Fucking Douglas Faith, who's the guy... Literally, this is... If the WMD theory had a two face, three faces to go with it, mm-hmm. besides, like, you know, Condoleezza Rice and Rumsfeld and all them, the three faces who are pushing this out there, three names, mm-hmm. Douglas Faith, Michael Gordon, and Judith Miller. Yeah. And now you've got Michael Gordon, the journalist, pushing the Labley Theory in the Wall Street Journal, and Doug Faith's son, David Faith, who is now quoted in this article as, uh, you know, they, they are suppressing, we're being suppressed within the government
0: about the about the lab leak theory. So you're assuming that the, f- the son has the same interests as the father? Absolutely. The story
1: of why parts of the U.S. government were not as curious as many, as us, as, uh, many of us think they should have been is a hugely important one. David Faith. Okay, mm-hmm. then you have... Let's see what else he said. You had Chinese government coercion and suppression. We were very concerned that they were covering it up and whether the information coming to the World Health Organization was reliable. David Faith, the son of Douglas Faith, the son of the WMD guy from the government. Mm-hmm. His son is now telling you lab leak. Okay, what about the other guys quoted? David Asher, Hudson Institute, also uh, 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 where Douglas Faith came from. He's also part of the Foundation for Defensive Democracies, which you mentioned the, my, my whole mind map thing mm-hmm. of Team B. And R. James Woolsey, Foundation for Defense of Democracies is at the very center of this. And uh, two out of the four major pro-Lab League voices in this article who are also pushing for it, or were pushing for it within the Trump administration, two out of four are Foundation for Defense of Democracies, FDD. Mm -hmm. David Asher and Anthony Ruggiero. Okay. Ruggiero, Asher, FDD. David Faith, son of Douglas Faith, WMDs. Thomas DeNano. Who's Thomas DeNano? Thomas DeNano is a Homeland Security guy. You know, previously, Mr. DeNano served as special assistant to the Chief of Staff of the Department of Homeland Security and in the White House of Homeland Security as Director of Corporate Relations, November 2001 to March 2003, reporting to Governor Tom Ridge. He is one of the administration's foremost experts on corporate and government interaction in the post-9-11 era. Mm-hmm. That's, Danano is one of the, f- I'm telling you about the four people quoted pro-Lab leak in this article. Yeah. She buries the other guy who's who thinks it's bonkers at the very end. Mm-hmm. The four that are four are at the top. Danano, Faith, Asher, Ruggiero. All of them, Team B. Spooks. The guys who pushed you WMDs. Literally the same people. Okay. So all I'm saying is, I do think, I'm going to qualify for saying, I do think that they were working on this virus or something very close to it in that lab, but be very, very suspicious and dubious of the people who are now pushing this theory to you mm-hmm. and ask why they're pushing it to you because they are the same people who who sold you WMDs, okay. L- literally.
0: So. All right, so I'm like worked. I'm like actually angry know, I, tonight. I, I know, I'm and sorry, you're gonna, relax. you're gonna go on more at length because, um, I mean, what you're you're saying something that no one else is saying. But I mean, what I what I would so the this, lab- this probably th- the,
1: I, I do yeah. The, I want to emphasize again. I don't think anyone has put that together.
0: I think I've seen a few youth, uh, Twitter
1: comments here and there, but mm-hmm. no, you're hearing this here first as so, far as I know. So to me, the last sources are not these sources are the same people who told you that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction the same people
0: okay all right so i'll let you explain why that has you all heated but one thing i you know what i'm thinking is that the lab leak hypothesis to me seems like the it's it it seems like the most logical i mean just just knowing that you know there are three places in the world right where they're doing or is it three in china i'm not sure but no, where right, in the where world, you're but right. right three three p- institutes in the world where they're doing this gain-of-function research mm-hmm. on coronaviruses yep. one of which is the wuhan institute of Viro- virology right and it's just strange credulity that the in that the the institute doesn't have something to right. do with the fa- with the virus, right. tra- b- being transmitted to humans. That's and and you know there's a lot of information in the Vanity Fair article that, you know, kind of elaborates why it's the the most believable and, and likely scenario, and also like why it was, qua you know, was kind of quashed early, in the pandemic for various reasons by various people in right. favor of the natural, uh, transmission, theory, right. um, but. So so okay so, if the lab leak is the most reasonable, well no I disagree I don't think it's the most reasonable. I well think I, I it think is, it is but but I think it I,
1: seems that way and it makes sense why it seems that way. Okay but, but I but don't think it is.
0: All right well you can go on more about that but what I'm saying though is that you're you're talking about these people who who pushed WMDs uh, before the Iraq War, um, and I guess I don't see. It, if if what they're trumpeting now is the most r- logic. Oh shit! I guess I'm getting played. You're getting. Played. I can see it. You're oh getting shit. played. Okay. It's okay. an
1: op, man. It's an op. I told you in the first episode. Wuhan was chosen to be the star of the outbreak, so that you will, au- so that China will be the scapegoat, mm-hmm. and that you will, um, it will seem like the most sensible thing. I mean, here's a quote in the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, To one former federal health official, the situation boiled down to this. An institute, quote, funded by American dollars, is trying to teach a bat virus to infect human cells. Then there is a virus in the same city as that lab. (gasps) It is not being intellectually honest, not to consider the hypothesis of a lab escape. Mm -hmm. Think of what that quote like a pitch for a movie. That's the the idea. That's what they came up Mm -hmm. with. That's what they came up with. And it goes down so easy. It goes down easy because they probably were experimenting on a virus very similar to this one.
0: They definitely were. If not
1: the progenitor of this one Mm -hmm. at that lab. And because they were doing those experiments and because we have a pandemic now, China and everyone involved in those experiments are going to do everything to hide what happened in that lab. And the more they hide, the more you look. And the more you look the more it becomes obvious that that was the source. And what we have here is biological Chernobyl brought to you by the irresponsibility and authoritarianism of the Chinese government mm-hmm. with some very somewhat suspicious or perhaps just very stupid American scientists and their grant supporters like Mr. Peter Dazak who organized that lancet letter to say lab black leak was impossible and was the funder of the research there mm-hmm. what i'm saying is so <laughs> it's 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 too perfect it's a movie pitch it's a movie pitch mm. and by the way saying oh it seems like the most likely you know they got these scientists together in this meeting that i mentioned before and said well actually Yes, they were in the same place. It seems like that to a layman, right? Yeah, outbreak here, lab there, lab outbreak, same city, boom, put mm-hmm. it together. But with, but what the scientists in the in the but if you look in like the fine print, is they're saying well they didn't have the live virus there, and actually people move around all the time, and the WHO's report shows. All the people there. The, there is an extremely high correlation. No, what in do you the mean, what do you mean? People move around all the time. They go back and forth between. You, so the, ori- the, the original virus is mm-hmm. a real natural thing. I mean, it comes yes. from a bat. Yes, and they found it in a, in bats in um, Yunnan mm-hmm. in this mine, I think. And so they you know they were isolated. And this is what EcoHealth really does: is they fund people to go out into the world and find these bats, mm-hmm. and they bring them back to the labs. Yeah. So so the origin is really Yunnan. That's where the bats were. They were isolated from the bat, brought to Wuhan, experimented on in Wuhan, but apparently not experimented on with live viruses, but with genomic material. I, I don't really understand the too much of these specifics, but you can go to the Vanity Fair. I, I really want to su- suggest that you go to the bottom of the Vanity Fair article mm-hmm. after all these WMD pushers sell you their story. And go to the bottom and read the memo from Mr. Ford, who is not a pro-China person. He's an anti-China person. And he goes through this and says, like, look, one, I don't think this intelligence about the six scientists is even fucking true because it's based on some tweet that doesn't even exist. Yeah. That's intelligence, a tweet that doesn't exist. What, what does that sound like?
0: Oh, that says, yeah, I guess I didn't know what the source of that
1: is. <laughs> because it's, it's buried at the bottom of the article.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: We just ah, oh, intelligence. OK. Pushed by Michael Gordon of Judith Miller and Michael Gordon. OK, um, so he says, like, look, the intelligence doesn't even sound like it's fu- fucking anything. It's from a tweet from some lab mm-hmm. that's contracted by the Department of Energy. And like it sounded like bullshit. And then he, they have all these experts talk and they say, look, we, we don't have evidence of this. It's it's possible that they had a live virus, maybe, but we don't have evidence for it. And they are they are not, you know. And also <laughs> she mentions at the very bottom. I mentioned the four WMD pushers, right? Mm hmm. There's a fifth guy here who wasn't a WMD pusher, but he was involved. He's a Fort Dietrich, as in America's biodefense, mm-hmm. you know, biodefense, bio, defense, bio offense and defense, bioweapons lab Fort Dietrich, started by, like, Nazi scientists, basically. Mm-hmm. He is from there. His original title back in 30 years ago, whenever you see him in news reports, was Le- Lieutenant Colonel James LeDuc. Now mm-hmm. he's Dr. James LeDuc.
0: Okay. Moving on up.
1: 30 years ago, he was the one injecting all the soldiers with anthrax vaccine and botulism vaccine, and then they came back sick with Gulf War syndrome. Mm. That's James LeDuc, Lieutenant Colonel James LeDuc. Now, Dr. James LeDuc, who is the head of the, um, you mentioned there's three labs that do this coronavirus research. Well, mm-hmm. two out of three are in America.
0: Right, there's Houston or Galveston. Galveston
1: and um, Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Galveston is where James LeDuc is, and...
0: Get one out. of James
1: Leduc's, uh, uh you know, something the article didn't really go into is that he's the one who trains, who basically trained up the staff at Wuhan.
0: Mm.
1: He was the booster of the Bat Lady, uh, Dr. She at Wuhan. Yeah. He's her friend. And he trained up their containment facilities and their safety procedures. And he's always, by the way, been one th- to say, oh, I, I don't think it leaked from there. But he... If you want to know how America connects to Wuhan, it's through James LeDuc. Deeply involved. Deeply involved. I mean, he, like, built them. Yeah. He built them. Right. This lieutenant colonel from the Gulf War built the Wuhan lab. So he knows everything about it. So America knows everything about this fucking lab. Then there's EcoHealth, run by Peter Daszak, Mm -hmm. which is the funding for it. And, of course, they're going to hide it because they funded it. Yep. Well, where does Peter Daszak get his from money from? He gets it from the Department of Defense. And apparently he likes to quote Rumsfeld all the time in his PowerPoints. This is <laughs> this is actually documented. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Just uh, Google Rumsfeld and Daszak. You'll find a great article.
0: Okay. So there's like a good, good buddy comedy there maybe?
1: I don't know. He, he likes to quote. Maybe he's trying to, you
0: know, because Daszak's in a lot of trouble. You
1: yeah. Know, cool. I, I mean, the he, Lan- this guy's going to end letter, up right? fucking,
0: I mean. He was trying to cover his ass with The Lancet. Letter, he's trying right. to
1: cover his ass, and he's like a rat on the run, you know.
0: And I'm, sh- and by the way, uh,
1: this is again another wax and gold thing. So two, of th- he was part. Of, not only was the the funder of the gain of function research, he's the also the organizer of the Lancet letter, and he was on the WHO investigator <laughs> list. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but there was another, you know, among other people, he was like the one guy that from America that China allowed to come. Uh, w- when they were doing there were a few
1: more American So another guy is named Ben Emberic, mm-hmm. who's a food safety expert. And um, both Ben Emberic and Dazak, and also, I mean, like, you can read the WHO report. It talks about all four theories, and it places cold chain above lab leak. And you mm-hmm. can say, well, they weren't allowed into the lab. Okay. But what is it saying about cold chain? It's, it's very meticulous in showing where people went and the stalls they went to in the market and what kind of products were there. And the highest correlation is cold chain. And this mm-hmm. food safety expert, Ben and Barrick, says we should really look into cold chain. The only reason to not put it even higher is because he says, uh, well, we don't know about other outbreaks in food reservoirs or at food uh, processing facilities. And what's funny about that is there were huge outbreaks at meat factories all over the world in Brazil and especially America. If you remember the earliest days of the pandemic, meat factories and mm-hmm. grocery stores yeah. was one two of the hot spots. Right. By the way, factoid. Guess if I t- so so uh, uh, USDA, right? Usually if you think of meat, it usually has a USDA stamp thing, inspected yeah. by USDA, right? Go to the grocery stores, inspected by USDA, mm-hmm. right? There's an exact month and year that the USDA stopped inspecting meat and allowed companies to hire their own private inspectors. Jesus Christ. You know, because big government, I mean, yeah. what do they know? We could do this meat. more efficiently. Yep. Guess the month and year that that the food industry was allowed to have its own private inspectors and that the USDA was no longer required to inspect the meat. Month and year. March 2020?
0: March 2020
1: damn march 2020 so you know there's a qual th- I, I think cold chain would be even higher on the list if they really didn't just limit their investigation of wuhan and also consider all the food mm-hmm. the, the 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 covid outbreaks and food factories all over the world which by the way will bring us into well, jbs well, cold chain is i mean later.
0: lab leak and cold chain can coexist right?
1: absolutely that's all i'm saying
0: that's yeah. all i'm saying mm-hmm. and the op is the op is
1: to make you look at the lab leak so that you will never look at the cold chain. But the reason it works, the reason the op works is because there is something in the lab that is being hidden. Mm-hmm. That is most likely true because why would you, this op can't work if there's nothing to hide, right? Yeah. There has to be something there that was very close to this virus. And 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 the reason there has to be so that the Chinese will hide it and the scientists will hide it and the more they hide it the more you look. Well,
0: we know the Chinese military is doing is deeply involved in the lab, doing God sure. knows what. Sure,
1: and American military is deeply involved in all, all in all our labs too. But the sure. more, the more that it, the fact that there is gold, there is. I'm not here to tell you there's not gold in lab leak theory. There is gold. But that's how it works because mm-hmm. they have to hide it. That something was there. The more they hide, the more you look over there. The more you blame China, and mm-hmm. the less you look at, the um the. Sp- you know think of think of vi- the the lab leak as a perfectly or, or uh, instead of leak let's just say lab lab mm-hmm. origin that is a perfectly plausible theory for the origin of the virus where did it come from or or perhaps how did it get from a bat to a human mm-hmm. first it was collected in the mine then taken to the lab and then somehow got from the lab
0: to, to or perhaps and perhaps it was to the pandemic perhaps it mutated in the lab or was allowed to mutate to its or current form in or the lab it's very likely that the lab
1: is part of the chain of mm-hmm. places this virus went before it became the pandemic. But that, I
0: agree with that. But what you're saying is that the, the virus was deliberately released. <laughs> I mean, this is we got to get to it at some point. I right. Mean, I, I feel it. It's like
1: you. You start to scare people away when you say that. So but I I I, I explained my whole theory about that on the first episode. You can go back and listen if you want to. Yeah. I do th-
0: I I do think I think I'm what I'm saying. You got to hear you got to hear Burko out because I know like coming with that out of the gate sounds totally crazy, but this guy's been
1: I've been right before. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, I've he, been right before and I just want to point out, you know, uh we grew up in a time where conspiracy theory is a catch-all term for anything that is not mainstream mm-hmm. and involves hidden power and it is something to be derided and not be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And now we're being told that the thing that was conspiracy theory one year ago is now mm. mainstream, Mainstream, which is lab leak. You know, uh, during the last four years of Trump, you had... All liberal people believe in Gate, and all most uh, Republicans and Trump people believe in QAnon. Right. Those are both conspiracy theories. I think there there is, well, probably the least amount of gold in the QAnon stuff. The QAnon's a little, a little bit unhinged. It's, it's pretty unhinged. Think, but, yeah. you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein is the real thing that exists. You know, there's there's uh, different degrees of gold in these in these. And when I say gold, I mean, there's mm-hmm. truth. There's kernels of truth in these theories, and some theories have much more gold than the others. You know, Russiagate also had gold. Do, do I think that Russia is the... You know, Russia installed Trump and that's the, that's mm-hmm. into the story? No. I think it's Russia was a piece of that story. There's some gold there. There's also a lot of stuff about the Emirates, a lot of stuff about you know, fucking this clique. This deep state, national security state clique at Palm Beach, Team B, the Pentagon. They're also part of that. Right? There's gold in... There's a, there's gold to be found, mm-hmm. but it does it's it's not always equal. S- there's so gold in the lab leak theory, I believe, because they probably th- the virus probably did live at Wuhan at some point before it became the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But there's also gold in the cold chain theory because they keep finding it in cold chain products. Yeah, and and what I'm telling you, how do the WMD pushers fit into this? Is that this was planned. It was planned by the same people who wanted to go to war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. It was planned for the same general reason for going to war in Iraq, which is about oil and energy and the end of the world and um, peak oil and declining uh, supply and growing demand. Yeah. So it wa- and but the but the reason Wuhan, the reason that the lab leak like, seems like a plausible theory, as you said, is that's the op working. That's mm-hmm. the op working. There is. It probably did live there at some point, but think how perfect it is. Think how perfect it is, for for for. For the first outbreak to be at this place where the lab is, for you to always scapegoat China, and even if it's never proven, you'll mm-hmm. always connect these two in your mind, right? Yeah. What'd you say about the, the Streisand theory?
0: Streisand effect. Streisand effect. Yeah, I mean, that's, like in the early early internet days when Barbara there was someone posted a picture of, uh, Barbara Streisand's house, and on the internet and she flipped out and sued them and tried to get it removed and then it was uh it kind of blew up into this news item and suddenly uh you know people were posting it all over the internet and so it had the exact opposite effect i mean that's right. the, the strike. don't effect.
1: look here yeah right so the more china hides and the more hides. by the way i think dazzak i mean i <laughs> good luck buddy I think this guy uh, will be found hanging to death somewhere. And it'll be a perfect story because it'll be his guilt, mm-hmm. you know, his guilt over being associated with this. And it'll be a kind of like, well, it was mostly China, but it was also this guy. And now he's dead. And we've learned a valuable lesson. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But this, is this be guy tragic. has a lot of Pentagon funding. He's quoting Rumsfeld all the time. There's other guys connected to Wuhan besides Dazzak, like James LeDuc, who is the Gulf War Lieutenant Colonel who trained up their facilities, mm-hmm. like David Franz, who's on the board of Dazzak And David Franz is a bio-warfare guy, fort Dietrich military guy, who wrote a book with Judith Miller. Mm-hmm. They're friends, and they wrote a book together. Let's talk about Judith Miller for a second. Let's talk. Michael Gordon, who wrote the Lab leak Intelligence article last week, his co-writer... For the WMD's article is Judith Miller. For those who don't remember, our old friends, Judith Miller. Uh, she's the reporter, her and Gordon, but she really kind of became took the heat for this, for, for pushing the Bush administration's line about WMDs in Iraq. She's since been totally stigmatized by mainstream you might say liberal media or whatever, become like this right-wing like fucking wingnut. Mm-hmm. But she was a mainstream reporter at the time, and she totally pushed their line like a stenographer. And I think she was uh, there was a court battle, like the the wasn't there a judge who put her in contempt or something for not revealing
0: her sources or something? Yeah. I think vaguely re- recall that. Right. She's got kind of you know
1: these bangs, and so okay, let's talk about Judith Miller. And I, and I didn't touch on this last time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mentioned this this guy named R. James Woolsey who was a former CIA director. Part of the Project for New American Century. He was very much promoting going to war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about peak oil. In fact, out of all of these guys I mentioned, he's probably the most explicit about the, the you know, he explicitly says the reason for all of this stuff. Right. Which is that we're running out of oil. And supply is going down, demand is going up, and the end of the world is happening. And we need to both get to the Middle East to 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 hop on that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, hop on that stuff, be there. But that's not enough. Yep. he uh, has this other group, which contains all the most prominent Team B people behind Trump and Bush and whatever, um, called the U.S. Energy Security Council. By the way, Tom Ridge who this guy, uh, Donano worked for. Tom Ridge is also part of the U.S. Energy Council. And Bud McFarlane and Keith Alexander. All these guys with the uh, associate were behind all this stuff. Yeah. U.S. Energy Council. And their masthead says, oil as a strategic commodity is a threat to the national security of the United States. That's at the very top. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about supplies going down, demands going up. We have to end oil in general. And all these guys are connected to these right-wing administrations. And Woolsey, Woolsey, along with Judith Miller, was part of the anthrax exercise simulation in August 2001.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One month before 9/11, was and called to- Operation Dark Winter. And they got together, and they, you know, they do this all the time. They do these gaming scenarios yeah. by the way this is how i think they kind of come up with the stuff they're
0: going to do they came right. out what if this happened right and you think so and and you think they game they gamed out this the pandemic absolutely 20, well they, well we you, know you said this has been planned for
1: 20 years i have said that we know that they gamed out an anthrax pandemic or, or simulation mm-hmm. in august 2001 right before 9 11 and before the real anthrax letters were sent out we also know that there was another There's probably many of these simulations. We also know there was another simulation in October 2019 called Code... What was it? Event 201 at Johns Hopkins University, using many of the same people from the Anthrax simulation, but supported Uh, by the Gates Foundation and... and What was Event 201? It was a coronavirus pandemic in October simulation. And, I mean, all these Mm -hmm. right-wing Steve Bannon pandemic people have been talking about this. yeah, Because, you know, uh, their boogeyman is Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. I think, the, I think that that stuff has two functions. One is to make it sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. that it could be planned at all, yeah. and two, I think these guys actually really don't like Bill Gates because he's kind of more on Team A. Mm. He's involved more with Cutter and Prince Waleed bin Talal. They do business together, mm-hmm. so, so he's a convenient boogeyman for them. But it also makes all this sounds, stuff sound crazy because now anything, uh, whether it's about whether it's just lab leak which used to be a conspiracy theory now is mainstream or intentional bioweapon um now you've tied it in your mind to this very stigmatized crazy wingnut mm. stuff with him injecting a microchip into you yeah okay there was a simulation in october 2019 event 201 for a coronavirus pandemic you can go do, like go and watch the videos really? you can actually watch the videos we could even put sure. them in the show yeah. there was an anthrax simulation In August 2001, one month before the anthrax letters, which shortly followed the 9-11 attacks. Guess who received one of the anthrax letters? Well, many people received them, right? Judith Miller. Judith Miller was the one person who received it, but it wasn't real anthrax. Isn't that lucky for her? So many journalists received it. Many people died. Like I was actually at the postal facility in D.C. where it went through, like, and there's a plaque outside because postal workers died carrying this fucking anthrax, which we know, by this is not speculation, we know, we know, came from Fort Detrick because that kind of anthrax only is grown in a government lab. Mm -hmm. And the FBI was investigating one government scientist for this, and then they dropped the investigation to him and went after another guy who later killed himself. Mm. Bruce Ivins and some other guy. I mean, the gov... Like, anthrax being sent out to... Democratic politicians and media people, including Judith Miller, although she got the harmless one. Lucky for her. That
0: is something that happens. That is facts. Was that harmless letter mailed out from the same like in the same. It, it, do they know if it was from the same origin or. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, but it, you know, I would say all this about kind that. of stuff
1: about death to America and whatever it and could it have been an from, unrelated it was from a government lab in Fort Detrick, Maryland, and yeah. the only suspects that that the FBI has produced are all government but, you know Fort Detrick like our Wuhan people like yeah. Fort Detrick government scientists that work on bio-warfare stuff. Mm. But at the time it was like, "Oh, we're under attack." And guess who was guess who was pushing the story that the anthrax letters came from Iraq?
0: Could it could it Judith Miller be Judith and R. James Miller?
1: Woolsey again. Did I say
0: Judith Butler before? She's like the. Uh, <laughs> what does she do? Queer stuff, right? Yeah, uh, something yeah. like that. Okay, but if, Judith if I Miller, say Judith not Butler, Judith Butler, Butler. if I say Judith Butler, I mean Judith Miller. Let's Judith just,
1: Miller yeah. is connected to R. James Woolsey through the anthrax simulation and the anthrax attack and trying to pin it on Iraq. Judith Miller is connected to the David Franz, a Fort Detrick biowarfare scientist, who is on the board of EcoHealth, which was funding most likely gain-of-function research at mm. Wuhan Institute of Virology. Judith Miller was also most famously the co-author of the WMD articles in the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. with Michael Gordon, who is the guy now telling you that it, that that it's a lab leak. Mm. Are you noticing a pattern? And then all these guys in the Vanity Fair article—David Asher, David Faith, Ruggiero, Anthony Ruggiero, Thomas Donato—they're all—they're all more people like that. So
0: they're the people sa- connected so the to the same Woolsey through the Foundation
1: of Defense Democracies—they're DHS, they're Bush-era people. So the, the same, same people, people who are pushing
0: WMDs to get into war with Iraq over, over oil are the same ones who are pushing Lab Leak now. Uh, to, to blame China to blame China yes. so that Team B can spread the pandemic to lower the demand of oil. Right, that's basically what you were saying in the last episode. I know I, I I keep jumping to like the the, the claims that are that are incendiary mm. and and stuff like that. But it is about oil. It's ultimately it's about, about oil, oil, right? And you can it does sound it's about people. Tri- it's about the 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 people who are affiliated with what you call Team B. Right. In uh, trying to lower the demand of lower oil. Lower the demand
1: of... O- or con- rather, control, control the demand, the demand of, of oil. oil they want
0: to turn be able to, con- to, to right. turn the dial up or down. Right. And the only way they can turn it down significantly is right. to shut society down. And the only way to really do that is a pandemic.
1: Yes. I,
0: yes. Th- th- if you think... You know...
1: Think of oil as having a supply side and a demand side
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that's the way that these pentagon guys look at it and that's the way that they think about what's going to happen for the 21st century as we hit the peak and supply goes down demand goes up yeah that it is not sufficient to only control it from the supply side now we've already worked on supply we uh are (laughs) i mean we basically did regime the emirates which is part of this clique basically Mm -hmm. did regime change in saudi arabia this click is very close has been close to saudi arabia for a long time you know the supply side there's there's we we there's we've been on that yeah we went to the middle east we've invaded the middle east there's opec we're involved with saudi arabia like that we've basically fucked up venezuela so that they can't do anything supply ha- i mean i don't think i'm original or controversial for saying this America American foreign policy has been focused on the supply side of oil we can all agree on that
0: hmm ask
1: any person in the world why we invade Iraq they all know that is true yeah that's why we went to Iraq to control the supply side of oil now what uh, I am saying here is that the reason you see the same people promoting lab leak and that they are the same people who promoted WMDs in Iraq is because they are part of the same clique that is worried about oil in general, mm-hmm. both the supply side and the demand side and while invading countries or you know destroying their economies or influencing their governments or whatever, that that is a way to control the supply side like the war in Iraq
0: mm-hmm.
1: that the way to control the demand side is a pandemic it's the only way to do that and that is why you're seeing the same people push both theories also because they they they're particularly antagonistic towards china this this specific click Mm -hmm. you know r james woolsey is also part of the committee on the present danger colon china Mm
0: -hmm.
1: this has this organization organization, by the way has had many iterations it used to be Committee Mm -hmm. on the present danger russia now it's committee on the present danger china
0: so, they're accomplishing the dual goals of right. uh, lowering g- demand for oil globally. Controlling demand. Controlling, controlling. Right, right. Cl- sorry. C- controlling demand and also making China look bad.
1: Making China. Well, someone has to be the scapegoat for this. Yeah. You know, someone has got to take the blame. Um, and it, it can't be America, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you start you started this off with, okay, There's there's three labs in the world that do this research. And one of them is where the outbreak started. That's the op working. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that that's, that, 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 <laughs> that there's gold to that. Mm-hmm. The op only works if, if they have something to hide in that lab. But there's two other labs that do this research, and they're both in America.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in addition, that lab in China is funded by America mm-hmm. and was built by a lieutenant colonel who's involved in the Gulf War and anthrax. And on the board of this eco health is a guy who's involved with Judith Miller, Mm. you know, so (sighs) what I'm trying to tell you, look, I think it's a little bit. It can feel confusing because, like you said, the lab being in the same place, the outbreak does seem significant. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And and, and, so and, you're, not, part, and you're not wrong for thinking that's that. That's part of the magic trick. That's part of the magic trick. Uh. It's, supposed to, it's supposed to make sense. But, th- but I suggest to you that there is another voice inside you. That when you read this Vanity Fair article, and when you see all our old friends from the WMD story, when mm-hmm. they keep reappearing in this Lab Lake story, I, th- I suggest to you that there's another voice inside you. And it's also telling you, This stinks. Mm-hmm. this doesn't feel right even though what it, the, the theory itself makes sense I, I get that but why is it all these are old friends all I'm saying is listen to that voice just as much
0: that's all I'm saying okay alright well we'll do our best to listen our Matthew old Perry friends was Matthew Perry quoted in that article <laughs> <laughs> no but I
1: looked at the, there's a guy named Thomas Cherry who's in one of the memos hmm <laughs> Um be fucking suspicious of this stuff, man. But but also try and keep See, in yeah, mind, keep yeah. in mind that the the op can only work if it has some gold. Right? Think of Watergate. Mm-hmm. They uh, they never proved that Nixon ordered the burglary, but they have a shit ton of proof that he ordered the cover-up. Right. And then he was taken out, and then came in the Bush guys, Ford, who by the way, you know, in 1975, one year after you know, Nixon resigns 1974, Ford comes in, then in 1975 there's something called the Halloween Massacre, which kind of mm. pushes Kissinger out and brings in our old friends, Donald Rumsfeld as the youngest Secretary of Defense, Dick Cheney as the youngest Chief of Staff, mm-hmm. Brent Scowcroft, George H.W. Bush H- at the w. CIA, at the, as the CIA Director, right, that's Team B. And they did that through an op, and the op was Watergate. But Watergate, you know, in in some ways, this has more in common with Watergate than er, it. Uh, Think of what you're seeing now as a a combination of several different um, psychological operation strategies. One was WMDs. Which is very clear because it's all the same people pushing it. Mm-hmm. But WMDs had a, a kind of minor issue, which is that it was completely not true. There right. were no WMDs.
0: So the an op is most effective an when is way there more effect- is a grain of truth to it. That's much,
1: isn't that more preferable? Or when
0: there is, when it's based on something yeah. that's uh, present in reality.
1: Absolutely, because if there is something to hide, then the more the other side is going to hide it, mm-hmm. and the more they look guilty. So yeah. I- is everything an op? <laughs> um I would say this if in general when you feel that a story and narrative is coming to you somehow you haven't gone out to seek it it's just mm-hmm. arriving to you through the media mm-hmm. and through the ether that someone is pushing it someone is and sometimes it's good right like mm-hmm. if you're hearing that climate change is a real thing um I'm not saying that's an op, but there there are people with an agenda who are concerned about that, sure. and you're hearing about it. Right. So in general, when you absorb things, narratives, and stories, um, someone is pushing it to you, and their motivations can be totally genuine and, mm-hmm. and even altruistic, and you should trust them. Or, uh, in this case, I think, considering their past <laughs> behavior... <laughs>
0: Which is documented. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're all, like, living in amnesia. about Like... Did, like. No, it's true. It's it's collect, collective... Am, I mean, every... Did we like, memory-hold
1: the WMD thing? That was fake. Did we memory- We, we memory really ho- fucking memory-hold
0: anthrax. We memory-hold Abu Ghraib. Holy shit. They, the Zoomers don't even know about it. They don't.
1: They don't I know about
0: online. it. I read None of this stuff is... Uh, they're not exposed to
1: it at all. Here's what I'm saying. Look. Do I think something is to be is being hidden in the lab. Yes, that's the op working. It has to have some gold. But at the top of every fucking Lab leak article, there should be a, a, a disclaimer. Note, uh, there was something called the anthrax attacks in 2001, and it is proven that that anthrax came from a government, U.S. government lab. mm mm-hmm. um, And the only suspects that have been investigated were scientists working for the U.S. government. hmm and it was sent to Democratic politicians right before the Patriot Act, and it was sent to journalists, and it was sent to Judith Miller. Except the one she got was benign; it was just powder. Mm-hmm. Isn't that lucky? Good for her. I'm sorry. I'm like I'm kind of angry today. I wish I wasn't. No, it uh, might it's be hard
0: good. I'm glad you're fired up. Um, I, it I, looks I, like something. Did you call the cops? I didn't. But someone called the uh, team. B called the cops on us. <sighs> And here's the thing Because there's
1: some gold there This is going to be hard For
0: It's confusing isn't it Well right? it's it's just Plausible deniability
1: basically Right it's a gr- I mean it is a great op If you mm-hmm. think about it because no matter how much evidence of cold chain have, or, or, or no matter how little evidence comes out about the connection between the lab and the market, mm-hmm. that's what Ford is saying in the memo. Like there is no evidence here of the, like all you have, is that they're in the same place. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't have evidence of them having live viruses. You don't have any uh, people in the market who are connected to the lab. Yeah. All you have is that they're in the same place. It's just a story in your mind.
0: Right. Right. And that's all you need, really but, but to that win, alone win the like hearts and minds of, ex- exactly yeah. that alone
1: will always make people it will always make people go huh mhm well that makes sense
0: all right well that's a lot to a lot to chew on do you want to you want to take a break? And let's take a break and then talk and, uh, about some talk about music <laughs> talk about some or something. Jesus music. Christ! I'm sorry. I'm like no, you're good. I'm not
1: actually angry today. I, you
0: know, it's all right. Well, let's go for a walk. You know, it's like d- just uh, the disrespect. It's brazen. <laughs> it's, it's brazen. The nerve. The nerve. It's brazen and.
1: It's both disrespectful, <laughs> but it's also annoying that it's going to work. It's going to work. Yeah. Because
0: something. It worked on me. You saw me. It works hour, on you. Half hour it, ago.
1: I, it's, it's really, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to work. Because
0: there is something to be hidden in the I lap, mean, you could, but you that's could be not wrong. the whole story. You could be and wrong. You should though, trust right?
1: your gut. When you, you should trust your gut.
0: This is me getting psyoped again. You could yes. be wrong. I could be wrong.
1: Trust, trust that other voice in you, that dubious voice. Trust mm-hmm. that too. That's all I'm saying. All right. Okay. Let's uh, cut to commercial.
0: We're back. We just went for a nice long walk. We had some food. Yeah. We had a drink. Hot sauce, white sauce. Hot sauce, white sauce. Whole that'll be, food a, that'll from be the, our next episode. From the God Bless Delhi, uh, Manhattan Avenue. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, so, I think Burko had a couple of closing thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about on our walk. We also talked about
1: UFOs, which was kind of fun. But uh,
0: yeah, we'll go into greater depth on that in you a know, later think- up
1: episode. <laughs>
0: I think um
1: usually it doesn't make me so angry. I guess I kind of passed over the valley of oh shit like sometimes it's just a thought experiment and and I'm like or or, or I'm finding connections and I'm like oh nice like I was right like it makes me mm-hmm. you know it's like cool to feel <clears throat> like you're onto something. Yeah. And then <clears throat> the more these like WMD people come out, it, it, it takes me over from, it, it's like jumping the uncanny valley over to just angry. Um, because it is brazen and because I know it'll work.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked on you even now. Well, even now, even one in thi- the last hour. One thing that came to mind is, and maybe, maybe I'm not doing my job of pushing back, hard enough against what you're saying. I mean, I was thinking the du- the WMD people are saying this stuff. Um but so are a lot of other people. Well, there's
1: you know, I would say for those other people, the innocents, the mm-hmm. do-gooders, you know, this thing happened to all of us and we all want to know how it happened and what the reason was and what the so faults. And, and, you know, but for those innocent people, the, the normal people doing saying this, um, no, I'm sorry, but they're suckers. Yeah. They're
0: so suckers. the W and, and, and so the, the people, and, and it's
1: who, these people that are behind WMDs. Mm-hmm. I mean, WMDs is not that, that doesn't just come out naturally. Right? No. It had to be fabricated. It, and it was fabricated by people in power. Yes. It was fabricated by intelligence people, the people with the power. It's not natural. But it was made to seem that way. And...
0: And the same people are, pull, are they, they pulling are similar... They think about this a lot. They think about... Yeah. This is literally their job. Mm-hmm.
1: This is what they think about and practice for and run simulations for, and train for, and do all the time. That's all they do, is think about perception management, and how to trick people mm-hmm. into thinking that things that aren't true are true, and things that are true are not. That is what they do. They're PSYOP artists. They are, yes, and they're very good at it. And, they're s- and they are the people with the power. We didn't invade Iraq naturally. That was a plan. Mm-hmm. That was... Executed to completion, and it had a propaganda aspect, and it had a media pr- aspect, and it had a uh, a perception aspect, and it had a jingoistic uh, culture aspect. I mean, these are the people. Like, th- think of a think of a room and it has the light switch. Now, I agree when the light switch is off and you hear outbreak in Wuhan. BSL lab in Wuhan working on coronavirus with the light switch off and that's all you know and that's all they want you to know by the way Mm -hmm. then it does that is you go that can't be a coincidence and so the only explanation is it came from the lab probably by by accident what I'm telling you is use your real eyes flick the light switch on now they control the light switch normally but if if you can do the research Mm -hmm. or uh, and I'll try and tell you what I've found out. Mm-hmm. But the more you flick the light switch on your own, you will see that there's so many connections between the people who are like like these people actually fucking made this lab. I mean, this that that general made this lab. They trained them up. Yeah, the same power structure that Im- that got us to invade Iraq, that actually did the invasion and actually did the perception management and 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 fed the propaganda to the media, that they are the same people doing this lab story and they're also connected to the lab itself and they've been writing about in their own publications how we need to control demand for oil how we need to go to to the countries with the oil they're connected to the anthrax simulations they're connected to the the anthrax letters themselves came Mm -hmm. from this is not my speculation the anthrax letters themselves came from a government lab it's all the same team it's all the same clique and They are the ones that control the light switch because part of their job that they take very seriously is to make sure you don't see them. Mm -hmm. Or if you do see them, to take them as God's uh, gospel. Yeah. So all I'm saying is use your real eyes. Flick on the light switch. And, you know, I agree. The coincidence of the lab and the outbreak is (laughs) it's a very good op, but that's what it is. That's what it is. Click on the switch and see what else is going on here. That's all I'm saying, and again um, I want to pause you know I'm
0: sorry <laughs> no, I'm so angry worked up, but i that's no, okay i mean i i I hope the it, next uh if what you're saying will be is more true, chill. It, it is infuriating yeah no i I feel you uh you know we all lost people to this, you know it's yeah. a real thing
1: it's not a joke and, well um, hopefully archie <laughs> archies section will will add a nice uh kind of relaxing
0: um aperitif. yeah we're about to slide into way more chill territory chill territory
1: here we go This is nice.
0: We're back. Oh, you're hearing it, huh? Archie. Yeah.
1: What's the album of the week?
0: Album of the week is Avia Lactia by Lou Borges. Which means? The Avia Lactia means the Milky Way in Portuguese. Mm, nice. And apologies to any I don't speak Portuguese, but I know a lot of Portuguese phrases and stuff from listening to a shit ton of brazilian music so you've
1: been to brazil many times
0: i've been i have been there so uh i mean i i know you know a few phrases but i'm gonna butcher a lot of the pronunciation so my apologies in advance but um by uh, the way we want to
1: really encourage listeners to listen to the album yes you know you can i know a lot of people go do this on your phone but if you're on your computer feel free to just pull up pull up the album and uh toggle the volume oh,
0: yeah. at a, at a, at a um. and this is one, this album is on. it's on Spotify, as far as I know it's on Apple Music, probably Ooh, all, all of the nice. streaming platforms so this would be, if we're talking about a genre of music we would be called M- MPB which stands for Musica Popular Brasileira uh, Brazilian Pop Music and it's basically what it sounds like if you're not familiar, but it's it's Kind of like, you know, you think of Brazilian music. A lot of people think of samba, bossa nova. It's sort of that, but combined with kind of rock, pop, folk elements, started in the late '60s, early '70s. But Lou Borges, the guy we're talking about today, um, he sort of became known originally in as a member of the a music collective in uh, Minas Gerais mm. called Clube da Esquina. And Minas Gerais is the state in Brazil, just north of Rio de Janeiro. But right. Clube da Esquina means corner club. And it was put together by Milton Nascimento, who's this uh, legendary Brazilian musician. Um, I could devote a whole episode to him at one point, probably will. Yeah. But, um, legend. Yes. But basically it's this group of guys um in Minas Gerais who just sort of casually started playing music together in the late sixties, early seventies. Uh, and in 1972, they put out a, this album called Clube da Esquina mm. and they were sort of making a conscious effort to make the white album, the Brazilian white album. Oh. And I, I know we talked about the beetle. I talked about the Beatles white album yes. in the last episode. And I'm not trying to like, you know harp on it or anything and i know you see you weren't familiar are you like you ne- you never heard it all the way through but like the white album it's an archetype yes of a type of album a white album me is basically shorthand for a a double album a really ambitious long album with a bunch of songs very stylistically varied where the artist is trying a bunch of different shit, throwing it at the wall, seeing what sticks. Some of it works, some of, like the, the white albums are known for being inconsistent, but ambitious, ambitious bold. bold, long. Yeah. So, you know, I I guess uh, other examples of quote unquote white albums would be like The Rolling Stones X style on Main Street, Fleetwood Mac, Tusk, um, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life mm. um, You know, any, any sort of sprawling Double Clash, Sandinista Ep- Which is a triple album Yeah, just don't epic Don't hold back Exactly and, uh, the, It's like it's the last album you ever make Right, and these Clubey Dotskina guys Were very influenced by the Beatles at the time In addition to like the Brazilian music that came before But um, So they were so what that album is, it's a double album and it's, uh, very stylistically varied. It's, uh, and it's credited to Milton Nascimento and Lou Borges, And Lou Borges is the guy who did the album we're talking about today. Right. And, um, Lou Bo- he comes from a... Was he like his... Uh,
1: Nath- what was his relationship his, to Nascimento? Was yeah. Was he a, his S- protege in a way? Sort
0: or? of, yes. So, um... Lou Borges comes from a musical family like the Borges family. I guess they were he ended up being the most famous one, but he has his brother Marcio Borges was um he started he's older than than Lou and he co- collaborated with Milton first as his lyricist. So his older brother is like a lyricist and singer. His sister Solange is Sings on, Yes, sings on this album we're talking about today. That's right, very ahead of our time. And um the Borges family made an album in nineteen eighty called Os Borges, which is uh which is also really good. The but whole family. The whole family. But but Lou's like the youngest one. So at the time so Lou Borges was born in nineteen seventy two. No, sorry, nineteen fifty two. Right. Milton is ten years older than him. He's like a older brother in a way. Sort of, yeah. And so when they when they were making da Esquina in the early '70s, uh, or in like 1971, um, Lou was 19 when he was writing these, ama- these gorgeous wow. songs, very precocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, well, well, I'll play some, we'll intersperse some samples, so so that people can hear what we're talking about. We'll say back One of the reasons I love Brazilian music so much is that it's so much more um harmonically and rhythmically rich than yes. a lot of uh, yes. pop music that you you know from the u s or or the u k um you know a lot of what i mean I'm sort of you know i'm a music junkie in a very in very specific ways like there are very specific like chords and like combinations of chords and melodies like i love major 7th chords and you know in in brazilian music you hear a lot of those whereas in this is a grossly simplified but in 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 you know american pop music you're much more likely to hear a straight major chord whereas in brazilian music there's always they're not content to just keep the music that harmonically simple and and it's just much richer and more beautiful, you know, as you know, MPB developed through the 70s, they kind of in- incorporated a lot of like progressive rock kind of vibes, mm. and so that's you know, kind of the album we're talking about today is, is part of that. So, after Klubi Daishkina, um, actually the same year, Lou Borges put out his first solo album, which was, um, like, sounds a lot like Klubi Daishkina, um. Uh, but it's a bunch of very short songs. Um and it's it's really cool, but um I think his second album, which is what we're talking about today, um I think he hit the mark dead on with that one. But okay, what I really want to talk about, I don't I'm not gonna go into depth about, you know, every song in this album and what it all sounds like because you can hear that. You, you you can go check it out for yourself. It's it's amazing. But I wanna talk about one song in particular on the album which is called Clube de Esquina number two. It's called
1: Cluba de Esquina Number Two mm-hmm. referencing the album you were talking about before, Cluba de Esquina. Yeah. So the white album of Brazil.
0: Actually, yeah. So the song Okay. So I'm going to set the scene. It's March or April 2007. Okay. I'm sitting on the beach in Arraial do Cabo, which is a kind of a beach town in Brazil, which is about a 3-hour drive from Rio de Janeiro. And I'm sitting there with my dad and I uh, I'm 21 years old. No, 20 years old. I'm 20 years old at this time. And um, I hear this. We're just vibing. We're at at uh, a, a, they call them a kioski which is like a kiosk on the beach where they mm. serve like food and beer. Yeah. And, um, and then this over the so they have a stereo and this song comes on, and and you're on the beach. On the beach, right? It's a beach. It's called Praia Grande, which means it's like large beach a grand yes, beach i remember yeah it's uh yeah you've been there and it's uh <sighs> wow, one of it's just this long epic beach it's it's the most beautiful place like it's really yeah, it's gorgeous yeah
1: i, I guess i, I want to tell them like where this is on a map Rio de of if you think of brazil the continent, the south american continent uh there's like a corner where brazil kind of goes all the way east and then it goes it starts to turn up Mm-hmm. And that corner is a Rio de cabo, right, so it, it's like the very southeast corner of Brazil, like yeah, like, and it's just beautiful and and it's not developed either. it's this perfect, undeveloped beach,
0: right, th- yeah, it's sort of yeah it's it's pretty low low key, I mean it's sort of known as a kind of a resort town for Brazilians, but it's not that well known mm-hmm. internationally, but I'm sitting on this beach and I hear this song and it's just, it's this smooth dreamlike. I mean, it's just, you know, it sounds sort of superficially like yacht rock in instrumentals sort of, uh, <laughs> but um, there's this one melody yes. that keeps happening and it's like, <laughs> like it, they, they, um, yeah, there's this, one move and you'll uh, you know it's better than to hear me sing it we' we'll, we'll, I'll play a bit of it right now this and it's and it just really just something about that w- one melodic figure of just the going back and forth between those two notes while the chords kind of moved up and down and uh, and at the time so the, you know I was just kind of transfixed by this song and the song and it it was a I couldn't tell if it was a man or woman singing or both uh, but and I mean, it was sort of—it wasn't super clear. Like there was a, other noise happening, so I was kind of straining to hear it. But, and I guess I—I I could have tried to ask someone at the time who was around me, but I didn't. You know, I didn't speak the language. I was—I—I I, I don't know. I just sort of moved on with my life. But this—but this melody sort of—it's imprinted itself onto my brain and it just sort of kept replaying you know once in a while I'd I'd think about this song and I'd be like damn I guess I'm just I I hope I figure out what this is someday but
1: you didn't know I didn't know what it was was no I had never heard
0: it no and you know I wasn't super familiar I think you know at that time I was the only Brazilian music I was really acquainted with was like Os Mutantes and right. some Tropicalia stuff like there was sort of a, trop- a wave of, of like Tropicalia yeah. there was a Tropicalia compilation in 2005 that was right. kind of popular and I mean Tropicalia is cool it's basically the kind of uh, psychedelic rock Brazilian pop hybrid that developed or that you know came in the late 60s with like Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil Gal Costa and Tom Zay, um, and Os Mutantes, and uh, and I—I I mean, that's really cool. I—it's great music, but I think Brazilian pop music became more sophisticated and more compelling in, in the year, you know, in the years that followed. Yeah. So that's not my favorite Brazilian music, but it's it's good stuff. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, it's just the. It's it's you know it's like. it's weird to call pop music sophisticated it's not the first word that you associate with pop music no but it really is i mean it's like there's like levels to this stuff yeah you know it it takes you out it's like you feel like you're floating in the ocean or something
0: yeah no exact, exactly exactly like uh, and it's
1: not gum a uh, bubble gum pop
0: no, it's. And maybe this it's has something to do with the chords you're it's talking serious. about.
1: That it, 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 there's a, there's a kind of a fuller range yeah. of
0: emotional yeah. stuff happening No, I mean here. it's, it's, compositionally and, uh, sonically sophisticated, but, and, I mean there's. Do you know there's a genre? Uh, like, like pop music for adults. You know do you know there's sophi- sophista pop is a thing? <laughs> no. It's sort of like a retro, retroactive genre of like, 80s. pop pop that was like um really like smooth and 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 uh um adult oriented so after i heard this i you know i i i went on with my, with my life and then fast forward to december 2011 and i was uh at my mom's place in south florida for cri- like for christmas i was was down there just uh just just um surfing the internet you know writing writing cyber waves as i usually do uh, when left to my own devices um and you know this was the big t- this is when you know music blogs were still not they weren't all all dead yet but at any rate like i was really at this at this point starting to explore uh mpb in in um in in earnest is that the word i'm looking for like i was in really earnest. getting in really getting into it like all these like Mil- like Milton Nascimento uh Marcos Valle D- um, these are part of the MPB these are M- MPB people i w- i was just digging it. i i just realized that oh my god like th- the music that was made in Brazil in the 1970s is uh just basically the ideal music and there is <laughs> uh a seemingly infinite trove of albums of right. great albums that were made in this country in this era and in this it, milieu in this milieu and uh, and if you know where to look you can find them on the internet right and you can just go nuts and that's what I was doing and it was only at this point that I discovered the Clueby album oh, from shit. 1972 Clube da Esquina is the white album of MP... Of Brazil, basically. Yeah, so MPB. But uh, C- Can you tell MPB again? What is it? Musica state? Popular Brasileira. Okay. And there's a track on the Clube da Esquina album called Clube da Esquina Number no. 2, which is what you're hearing, uh, Burco in your headphones now. Yeah. And it's basically... I'm listening to this, and it's this kind of chill instrumental track um, with acoustic guitars and sort of this light groove and uh and then i'm i'm sort of not not paying like super close attention but then i i i, I realize like what i'm hearing is that exact melody uh in that song that i heard in 2007 from the that beast fucking from around a yes that exact i mean like this is the song but it's not the version i heard before because there's no one singing like i knew for sure someone was singing on that track right and the and the music the instrumentation was different wow but so and then i immediately like you know I st- start googling i realized okay wait this Cl- clubita is number two there's this other version of this song that was oh like lou borges recorded it later by himself on this on uh, this album called Avia Lactia. Hmm. And so then I grabbed that album real quick <laughs> and right. checked it out. And, and, and low, low and, and behold, behold, it was that song. And it was just the most immensely satisfying thing wow. to have this, you know, have, have uh, had this song like in the back of my head. It's and like I, did, find, I even kind of figured it out, like uh, how to play the chords and the melody on guitar. Like I would sing it to myself. <laughs> uh, but um yeah and it was just that's like one of my top five musical moments of my life like finding that song again and hearing it it was just there's nothing nothing comes close to that like deep pleasure and satisfaction of of that experience for me so um jesus that's one yeah that's sort of uh it's like you you you, it's like you saw
1: you saw like a woman on the beach you didn't even see her face you just saw her outline or something yeah and then years later you meet right but it's a it's a chord and it's a song and it's a milieu and right. it's an
0: artist and it and it has I mean, there's a scene in Citizen Kane like that where the guys talking about this one girl he saw at a train station when he was a kid and she was the most beautiful girl he ever saw but he never he never saw her again I don't I don't know why. but anyway do you have anything like that where you where you heard a song or Maybe even saw some like a movie or something on TV right. when you were a kid or a long stuck time in ago. Your head and you wanted to know, and what you was didn't that, know what it was. But I'll never yeah. know what it was because it was just for that moment. And then you find it again, and then
1: you go, "Oh shit, that's mine now." Yeah, and and not only is that mine, but I can explore a whole avenue from this.
0: Yeah, have that. Do you have anything like that? I would say the only thing that comes close to would be when I was.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not as cool as this because I'm not. Cause I'm more basic, but uh, you know, when I was like 12, I I basically discovered that "Love and Happiness" by Al Green was the best song I would ever heard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which it honestly, I mean, that's yeah, it's pretty fucking good. It's a great song because it contains all the elements that I want in a song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it has the 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 kind of acapella part at the beginning, and then it has this. And it's just like To me that's the perfect song Love and happiness Wait a minute Something's going wrong Someone's on the phone Three o'clock in the morning Yeah Talking about she can make it right
0: yeah. no. so you what you heard it, and you you just realized it was did you so like the first time you heard it, you didn't know what it was, or like how well,
1: here's the weird thing for me is
0: it's a little different i I'd always knew I was looking for that, but I had never heard it before. I was looking oh. for it without having heard it. Because I, I, I wanted loved it to have those elements. I met you, right? I knew I loved you before I met you. I knew I, I loved you. you
1: before I met you, and when I, so love and happiness to me was that. Now, now when I listen back, look back now, and I compare it to like this kind of stuff, I'm like, it's a. It, I'm like Berko Shem. It's your, you know, a little. It's apples but it's, it's fucking and, and oranges, oranges, man.
0: If that's yeah, yeah
1: uh, but I do remember when I was in my adolescent years, you know. We're talking about puberty years, but like not getting laid because I'm a nerd. (laughs) And I remember putting in so much effort into finding music, finding music and exploring music and looking for what I liked and finding what I liked and then being and then and then from the things that I found that I liked, finding more things, you know. And it was this incredible exploration. And in some ways I, I missed that. I, I don't feel that excitement about the exploration of music anymore,
0: even though I fucking love music. I think that's normal, though. I think even even I feel the... At least I feel less uh, of a drive to discover new music. I definitely noticed. I think I hit some kind of wall maybe around the time I turned 30 or maybe even Well, I, I will say about. this. Um...
1: When you started to introduce this stuff to me, I was like, "Well, shit! This is clearly the best music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly,
0: yeah. I mean, it, I, I that was uh, clear to me right away too. But uh, not everyone can be as enlightened as us. It's RL Xanax. That's what it is. Yeah. Aural? Rl Xanax. Uh, something else. But that's basically yeah. And and I guess I mean I still go through phases where I, I all I want to listen to is brazilian music from that era but um i think you can you can even burn out on that though you know i try not to i try not to touch it too often so it (laughs) doesn't lose its lose lose its potency but anyway that's uh you know that's kind of all i really wanted to talk i could i could talk about some other tracks on this album but but you know, you you get the idea. You should check it out, uh, listener. If if any of this has piqued your interest, but Klubie Daskina number two, very special song to me, and Avialakchia, very special album. You know this uh
1: this word saudaji? Am I saying it right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- tell us what saudaji means.
0: Well, saudaji is a sort of b- it's beautiful sadness.
1: Beautiful sadness.
0: Yeah, and that sort of. Uh, yes that's it, a central idea in brazilian culture and yeah in a lot of a lot of brazilian music you can you can feel this the saudade a lot of bossa nova especially
1: i once had saudade explained to me as a kind of missingness
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it and it's and it's from portugal originally then comes mm-hmm. to brazil yeah and that but it's not missing in the in a simple way it's you can actually feel saudade for someone right in front of you Mm -hmm. you can feel saudade for the present moment about to you know
0: you can feel saudade for
1: just in general Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's sort of like it's like a feeling of longing longing and constant loss yeah
1: and it's a beautiful uh it's a beautifully sad and sadly beautiful notion and and this and it it's it just permeates the whole sound, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mhm.
0: Yeah. Yes, it does.
1: Like it makes you want to cry smile. <laughs> <laughs> smize, you can
0: smile. Mm. Wait, smize,
1: saudade. It's a uh, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I think yeah, we've all been feeling a lot of Saudaji so lately, but it's it's not an unpleasant feeling. It's necessarily. not it's,
1: cathartic, it's cathartic in a way it's, it's melancholy it's very it's real
0: beautiful. yeah Yeah,
1: it's very real It's like the The feeling you have after a good cry or something. <laughs> So dodgy I mean it's, it's a it's a it just makes you feel very human Are we human? (laughs) Or are we dancer? I say that all the time.
0: (laughs) Me too. It's really the central question of our time. It
1: is. You may never know the answer. Are we human? The real question is are we This
0: has been Wax and Gold Podcast Episode 2, brought to you by Rolled Gold Pretzels. Rolled Gold. We'll see you next time. Take care.
1: Bye, friends.